Well, welcome again. <clears throat> the uh, single most dangerous Sundays at the Vineyard, if you're wondering if this is a safe place, the single most dangerous Sunday mornings at the Vineyard are after I've been gone for two weeks. Because you don't know how long the sermon's going to last and what's going to come out of his mouth. You just don't. And so, welcome to the Vineyard. We are glad that you are here. <clears throat> for the last couple of weeks, it has been a fast couple of weeks, believe it or not, in our home for Pastor Janice and I. Um, we have been moving and moving and moving and moving, and, and I'm ready to slow down. And I'm not saying that we didn't enjoy some time away, um, but when we got to thinking about it while we were communicating with each other, because we communicate a lot with each other, that's important, um, we were talking about the fact that in the last month and a half, we have been on the West Coast and seen the Pacific Ocean. We have been on the East Coast and seen the Atlantic Ocean. I have seen Alaska uh, and areas that are still untouched from the day God created them. Um, and we have um, seen entirely too many people packed into too small a place called Connecticut, Rhode Island, Delaware, and we have seen um, the incompetence that takes place called road construction, and I say that carefully if you're in road construction, I apologize, but it's just like, are you kidding me? Um, we have just seen stuff going on, not to mention the fact that we got to wander around Seattle, and that was like going to the Louisville Zoo, um, but they're real people. And like me, they're broken people, and they need Jesus and love. And um, there are people there being Jesus to them and loving them. I have seen the original Vineyard Vines store um, for one of you in this room. Um, I've been there, or whatever that's called, <laughs> on Martha's Vineyard. That was incredible. Um, I have stood on the highway for hours and hours and hours praying for a semi-driver that I never got to meet or see, um, but I was not really happy with his lack of attention to his driving skills. Um, and in the course of all of this, God has been speaking to me um, and saying a lot of things. For the most part, I have been a civil driver <laughs> or writer um, and um, patient with people um, on the road, except for on occasion that I had to repent from. We also attended the Vineyard Conference up in Dayton with the title, Come Holy Spirit. That conference has been, um, it, it will mark one of the, um, not beginning points, but one of the refreshing points, one of the, Lord, you've got my attention points of my life. Um, simply because they backed up and said, we are the vineyard. Our legacy is in 1980. Lonnie um, was standing on a stage, not that you know Lonnie, um, but he was standing on a stage. John Wimber was actually playing the keyboard. Um, Lonnie was playing the guitar in Yorba Linda, California. Um, it was a church setting. It was a Calvary Chapel church that was meeting in the gymnasium in Yorba Linda. And Lonnie, um, what's his last name? Lonnie Frisbee. How can I not remember Frisbee? Um, Lonnie Frisbee, and, and who can take that guy serious, but still, um, said, come Holy Spirit, and um, spiritual things started happening in that gym. People started getting healed. Um, people were overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Um, amazing things happen. And that has always been the legacy of the Vineyard Movement. It started um, there actually in 1974 out of Calvary Chapel. But it was that day on Mother's Day, 1980, when John and Lonnie were on the stage together. And, and, and the Lord just fell down and revival absolutely broke out 
in that part of um, California, and it was absolutely amazing. While I was there, I prayed for the Lord to speak to me. I said, Lord, and I I did one of these jobs like some of you people do, and it's okay. And some of you are like, oh no, I can't unfold my hands right now because then he'll realize that I know that he sees me in the, it's like, oh no, what am I going to do? Okay, well, I went to the conference and I sat like this, okay? I'm just going to tell you I'm a bit of a skeptic, but I sat like this in the conference and I was like, Lord, I want you to speak to me. And my wife said, aren't you going to go up there and pray for some people? I said, no. I am not praying for people. I'm off duty. I'm at a conference and I'm holding my arms like this until the Lord does something to me. And and it was just like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of this. Of course, we were sitting in the third row, you know, and, and, you know, 2,200 people were there and they were all standing in front of us between the front row and the stage. And I still had my arms folded and I was not going to pray for somebody. Thank you very much. Um, I was waiting on the Lord to say something specifically to me. He didn't do it. Okay, next session came along and the music started. And what is I'm going to share with you today came crashing into my heart like nobody's business. And then I was um, moved in my spirit, crying, weeping, taking notes on my phone, 100 miles an hour. I have, I'm going to try to stick to one sermon today. That's my whole goal is only preach one sermon in each session. Okay. But, but what I want to share with you, yeah, you're welcome. Um, um, what I want to share with you is what happened because nobody was speaking at the conference. We were just, um, they were playing music and the Lord just all of a sudden overwhelmed me. And, and so I wrote this down. It was an amazing conference. Um, yeah, we saw a lot of things happen. We, we just saw a lot of things happen. Not the least of which, and I didn't make a big list, but there was a man there with stone deaf in his left ear and absolutely healed right there on the spot. Could absolutely hear. Um, out of, he was just wild crazy because he could hear out of his left ear. There were a lot more things like that that took place that would just blow your mind. And I was still sitting like this. It's like, well, Lord... I'm sitting right here waiting on you. You ever come into church like this and you're like, well, Lord, when's my turn? When me, Lord? When are you going to touch my life? When are you and I going to interact, Lord? When, when is it time for me to know that the God of the universe is seated on the throne, that things are unfolding exactly the way he knew, not wanted to, but knew they were going to unfold. And in spite of all of that, he looks down on this earth and he sees me. That he has a place in his heart just for me. That's what I was doing. Lord, I just want to know that there's a place in your heart for For me, I just want to know that there's a place, Lord. Show me. And then things began to happen that captured my attention. And so this is what's going on, and I want to share it with you. The setup is that Jesus, in Mark chapter 5, if you actually have a real Bible that you brought to church, we are a church. Um, you are welcome to bring your real Bible. You know it will always show up up there. You can find it on your you know, weapon of mass assassination um, that you do social media on that cell phone thing that we do horrible things to each other in social media. And sometimes I have to repent of that. But you can pull out your, your you version and you can do that. But I'm going to read from Matthew 5. But we're coming off of Jesus casting out a demon, a gathering demonic is what it's referred to, a man that had demon inside of him. And I love the story. I love how it unfolds. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the one, um, it's, it's, 
where the, the pigs run down the hill and, and, and it's absolutely crazy because um, Jesus is, is, is setting this thing up and 2,000 pigs run off the cliff and as a result of that, when Jesus starts doing incredible things, he gets asked to leave. That's the only invitation he gets. Would you please leave? That's what they asked of him. And so as he comes out of that incredible experience, this man is healed. He's so excited. He wants to come with Jesus. Jesus says no. But we come into this story, and that's where we are. And we find ourselves in Mark chapter 5. And Jesus is, is, has left there, and, and he's moving on. And it says in Mark, uh, Mark 5, in chapter, or excuse me, verse 21, And when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake. Okay? So he, he heals a man that has been absolutely harassing and beating on people for years. 2,000 pigs run over the cliff, so we know they're not good Jewish people at all, probably pagans. 2,000 pigs run down the hill and jump into the water. And nobody is saying, whoa, the guy's been healed. They're saying, eh, having Jesus in the community is costing us way too much money. Get him out. And so they invite Jesus to leave. They literally invite Jesus to leave. So he crosses over to the other side by boat. So he's on the other side of the lake. A large crowd gathers around him while he was still by the lake. And one of the synagogue rulers comes running down to him, a man named Jairus. And he came there and seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. Generally speaking, that means he fell with his nose in the dirt at Jesus' feet. And he pleaded earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. So Jesus has been, he's been on the other side and he's dealt with the kingdom of darkness. Jesus comes on this side and there's a great crowd. He gets off the boat and he still can't get away from people. He's surrounded by a great crowd. As he starts to move, a man runs up to him, falls on the ground, in my own version, grabs a hold of Jesus' ankle, puts his nose in the dirt, and he is just distraught and says, I'm going to lose my daughter if you don't come right now. And so Jesus has been engaged to go do a healing. That's what he's been engaged to do. And I need you to understand this. <clears throat> I don't know all of your theology, but I'm going to tell you the theology of this church. Jesus existed in his humanity while he was God. And while he said, I can call down a legion of angels right now if I want to, he did not act in his deity. The things that he did, he said, you will do greater things than this. So he did them to show us that when the kingdom of God is inside of us, Things can happen. And we have to believe that. And so Jesus has been engaged to go heal a young lady. He takes a couple of steps, and this is what happens. So Jesus went with the synagogue ruler. A large crowd followed him and pressed all around him. So he's walking along, and there's a great big giant crowd of people all around him. Okay? It says, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet grew, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I will just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? And I love this. You see the people crowding not around you. You see the people crowding against you. Have you ever gone to a market in a third world country? Have you ever tried to get to be the first one out of the concert? You know, you always, you, you go to the concert and you take the first parking spot you can, as close as you can so you don't have to walk. And then you want the best seat, first, second, third row. You want to be right there, right? But when it's time to leave, you're like, man, Pastor Joe doesn't wrap his sermon up. I'm not going to get to the diner in time. And so all the people from First Baptist Church are going to beat us there. We have got to leave early so that we don't get in the crowd of people trying to go out the door, right? And so that's what's going on. <laughs> I love the disciples. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Jesus, are you for real? Everybody has touched you. What do you mean, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around. So they're talking to him, and he's doing this. Like this. He's not ignoring them. He's listening to them. But get the picture in your head. He's crowded up against people, and he's doing this. Somebody in here touched me, and I don't know. You say, well, he acted in his deity. If he acted in his deity, he already knew who touched him. All he had to do was spin around and say, woman, was it you? See? But he's looking around to see who touched him. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, and I love this, and then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. That means the whole story. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. Did you see what's going on there? Jesus has done some, some, some damage to the kingdom of darkness. We saw some of that at the conference, okay? I mean, people screaming and wailing and flopping around and writhing and twisting and demon, okay? I, I'm, I'm going to go with it, okay? Um, I, I'm still sitting like this, but I'm going to go with it because I believe in that. And so he comes away from that. He comes away from being rejected by people. You see, Jesus, they said to Jesus, can you leave, please? Isn't it amazing everybody wants Jesus until it gets expensive? <laughs> if it costs me something. And then it's like, hmm, maybe not so much, Jesus. Maybe come back next week when it's more convenient. Right now it's inconvenient. Welcome to 2019. I've got to slip it in every Sunday. So there it is. And so Jesus gets in a boat and he goes to the other side. And I'm sure the disciples are like, whoo, that was some action over there. That was some kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. Let's do this. Where are we going now, Jesus? And they get to the other side. And I don't know if they're like me, but you just finished the conference and you're looking for a little time out. You don't want to be with people. He steps off the boat. Everybody recognizes him. It's Jesus. They come running and they're crowded around him and they're pressing up against him like you're in a third world marketplace where you're trying to excuse yourself through. and you're, It's kind of like going to a vineyard conference. 2,000 people go forward to be prayed for, and you're trying to get to that one guy over there, and you're like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And you don't want to like end up in a Me Too situation, so you're like, keep your hands up, keep your hands to yourself, you know, because you've got to get through the crowd. I'm just saying, it's for real in our world today. And it's packed in, and, and you're bumping into people, and it would be like somebody saying, hey, who just bumped into me? 
well, I don't know, about 2,000 people pushed the crowd together. Who do you want to say bumped into you? And that's what they asked. And this woman is thinking, hey, if I can just get up there and touch his, his, his uh, cloak. Now, we need to understand Matthew, uh, I believe it's in chapter 9, it says that she literally got a hold of the hem of his garment, down low, got a hold of the bottom. She touched the bottom of his garment. <clears throat> that puts her in a whole different position, doesn't it? That begins to change the whole story up just a little tiny bit, and that's important to what's going on here. This woman has suffered for 12 years with menstrual bleeding and cramps. I'm putting it all together. It did not stop after a week. Now, historically, um, and according to the law, in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, when a woman's bleeding starts, she had to go outside the camp, and she had to stay outside the camp till her bleeding stopped, and then she had to be um, seven more days pure. She can come back. There's lots of hygiene rules that got broken in this story. You say, oh, I don't think we should be talking about that in church. <laughs> it's in your Bible. <laughs> If it's in your Bible, we should talk about it in church. Otherwise, the world is going to talk to you about it, and they're going to get it all wrong. You don't believe me? Turn on your social media. <laughs> okay? They're getting it wrong, and they're teaching it to your children. So either we do it here, and you put up with me, <laughs> or you let the world do it to your family. So this woman's got this issue of blood. And she has not just, you know, allowed the government to be the person that sent her to the doctor. It says she has spent every dime she has trying to get well. And instead of getting well, it got worse. Can you imagine that? 12 years. You know, just a unique set aside here. And, and I'm not one that thinks that God's trying to hide everything in the Bible and we're supposed to like, find it. Okay, I, I'm not buying that, okay? But I will tell you this. Do you know how old the girl was that Jesus was going to heal? Twelve. Do you know how long this woman's bleeding had been going on? Twelve. Do you know how many disciples were following Jesus? Twelve. What's going on here, Lord? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is when that little girl was born, this woman started bleeding. And I'm not saying the two are connected at all. I'm just saying, isn't that, hmm, everybody say, hmm, hmm. What's that all about, I wonder? But anyway, this woman's bleeding started for 12 years. She's been doing this thing. I began to think about what might be going on in her life. Have you, have you got a besetting health issue? Something that just will not go away. Something that won't stop. Something that you're like, God, when are you going to fix this? God, when are you going to heal this? God, when are you going to do this? God, I've been putting up this for 15 minutes now. Because you know how we are in America, right? Lord, thank you for my children, but I'm going to send them to meet you if you don't do something right now. Because it's been 12 minutes, and it won't stop. You see, we, we, want, we want Jesus, but we want Jesus in a drive through mentality. We want Jesus like right now. Deal with this right now. But I can imagine that this woman got to the end of the first week, seven days, and she thought, this bleeding is going to stop now. And then I'm going to spend a couple of days being purified and getting clean. Then I can go back into town and live with my family or however they did it back then. But it didn't stop. And then you think, well, okay, well, it'll stop in another day. And it doesn't stop. And it doesn't stop in another week. And it doesn't stop in another month. 
And goodness sakes, a bunch of holidays go by and it still doesn't stop. Technically, you're still supposed to be outside the camp. According to the book of Leviticus, you're not supposed to be anywhere near human beings. Because God laid down some hygiene laws in the book of Leviticus that he expected people to, to adhere to. And if they didn't adhere to them, he said, then go ahead and stone them. And then this thing goes on year after year after year after year. Now, we don't know how much bleeding, volume-wise, because she was still moving around. But it had to start affecting the rest of her body. It had to weaken her. It had to, at the very least, wear her out. And then the emotions that she's going through, confusion, anger, why me, God? Who can help me? And then, what's her healing worth? I gave away half of my whole existence to that doctor, and he was a quack. Do I keep chasing this thing down until I have nothing left? And I'll get healed, but then I'll be a beggar. Or do I just give up? She gave everything she had first for that healing. And I was thinking about that because I'm still thinking about the conference. And honestly, I spent a lot of time on that motorcycle thinking, God, what's my life mean on this earth? Because it doesn't always make sense to me, my life. Oh, I'm having fun. I enjoy what God's done. I'm not going to apologize for what I have, where I've been. And, and the Lord has given me the ability to work my tail off and earn it. And the Lord has also placed me in a position because I keep giving God my best yes to enjoy things. We went to Alaska simply because I met a man, a Christian man. He called me three weeks later, two weeks later, and said, you want to go to Alaska for free? I said, I'm your Huckleberry. Can I bring my wife? He said, absolutely. See me afterwards, I'll hook you up. But God's done incredible things in my life, and I'm still saying, Lord, my life doesn't make sense to me. And so here's this woman, and I imagine four or five years in, she's thinking, her life's not making sense. Why do I have to go through this, Jesus? It would have been God back then, not Jesus. Jesus was a prophet, not God, to, the, to that culture. Lord, when are you going to fix this? Lord, when are you going to give me what I want? But she hasn't given up hope. And she hears about a man named Jesus. And she knows, or she believes, with everything inside of her, she believes that she can just touch the hem of his garment. You know other people were reaching out to him, probably thinking the same thing. I can hear Peter being the one to say, seriously, you want to know which one touched you, Jesus? But there is something about this woman and the manner in which she approached Jesus. And the only thing I can think of is that the thing that separated her from everybody else in this crowd was the attitude of her heart. 
she approached Jesus with a totally different attitude in her heart for what she needed to happen. See, some people will come to see what's going on. A lot of people there wanted to see Jesus do some, some magic. Do some stuff, Jesus. Walk on the puddle. You know, raise the dead. Let's see some action. Prove that you're the Son of God. Some people will come to church because it's their duty. <sighs> we got to go to church. No. Honestly, you don't. You don't got to go to church. We're just spoiled and we take our freedoms for granted, we get to go to church. There are nations around this world that would love the freedom to show up at church unmolested and unfearful of getting their literal heads cut off today. We get to go to church. We don't have to go to church. Some people come because it's guilt. They've done it all their life and they're like, Oh, if I don't go to church, my mom's going to ask me if I went to church. I'm going to have to say no. And then she's going to give me the mom talk. And then, oh, my word, I'm going to feel horrible for even visiting my mom. I'm going to stop visiting my mom because she keeps asking me because I stopped going to church. And so we feel guilty. Some people come out of sincerity, though. They want Jesus. They want their lives to conform to Jesus. And she came with a different attitude in her heart. The attitude of her heart caused her to humble herself in this crowd. You know, the scripture says in James 4, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's what it says. Do you see that? Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. When the scripture says that people came and they worshiped at Jesus' feet, what it means is they got down on their hands and knees like this. I didn't warn the cameraman. And they did this at his feet. Sometimes it means they did this. So when you read in your Bible that it says they worshiped, that's often what it means. It doesn't mean they did this because the singer, you know, has ants in his pants, okay? And I like the way you do it, by the way, okay? Often it means they fell down and humbled themselves in a position before God that we don't often want to take. Sometimes by chance we'll get to our knees. We'll be moved in worship and we'll be crying and we'll get on our knees and we'll bow down. But if we lay on our face, people will think we're getting like charismatic and Pentecostal. And mm, we don't want to go there. I'm back to this. I don't know about that now. Some of you are like, I'm not putting my hands together ever again at church because Joe's going to call me out. <laughs> I'm not calling you out. This woman got down on the ground in a crowd that was pressing into Jesus and reached out and got a hold of the hem of his garment. That's what Matthew says the hem of his garment, and literally, if I can be there, stole the power of the kingdom of God for healing. And I think Jesus honored that. When somebody says, I am so hungry for God, I will steal God from God. God honored that. He didn't get mad at her. He said, hey, 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 somebody touched me. Something incredible happened. Somebody touched me. The disciples like, whoa! What are you talking about? Who touched you? You see these people pressing up against you. He said, no, somebody stole some of the kingdom of heaven. Somebody got a hold of God in my soul. You know, God lives inside of you. And what that means is somebody touched him and got a hold of God. Well, of course he was, Pastor Joe. He was Jesus. It's like, okay, acting in his humanity. 
but living out the life that you and I are called to live. The attitude of her heart caused her to humble herself in the crowd. What would it mean for you to be humbled in this setting? What would it mean for that? The attitude of this woman's heart dared her to believe that if she could just touch his clothes, there would be healing. Could you dare to believe that? In Matthew, Jesus replies, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And Jesus is not talking metaphorically. He is talking physically, which lets us know, he's not shaming us, how small our faith is. I wear a little thing around my neck. It has a mustard seed on it right there. I can feel it. Every once in a while, I find myself just holding it. And it's just like, I just want a reminder. It has a little mustard seed right there. I just want a little reminder that that's the mustard seed. That's the size of the faith that I'm being challenged not to have, but to express, to act on. I've been called to do that. The attitude of her heart caused her to take a risk. And in the vineyard, Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's the way it always has been. We're willing to step out. I love what one of the speakers at the conference said. He said, you know what? I'm just going to go up to people and say, can I pray for you? He said, because nobody ever died from being prayed for. Didn't happen. So if they don't get healed, don't worry. They're not going to die. So it's going to be okay. Ask them, can you pray for them? Take a risk. With this woman, it was a long shot. A lot of us want healing, don't we? But we're not interested in the risk. A lot of us want to see God use us and move through us, but we are not interested in the risk. We don't want to look foolish. We don't want to look silly. We don't want to be wrong. We don't want people to think, oh, it didn't happen, so they don't have the Spirit of God. We don't want that, so we're afraid to step out. Unlike Matthew, and the disciples, people won't walk away from their job when Jesus has come. <clears throat> people that want to see their dreams come true, but they're sitting on the couch playing Xbox, waiting for the money and the job and everything to just fall on their head. <laughs> I just want to let you know it doesn't happen that way. Often God will walk through and say, come and follow me. But as soon as he said that, it's going to take some action on your behalf. Can you imagine Peter and say, John and Matthew and all those guys saying, now nah, we're going to keep fishing, but go ahead and give us the information. Come on, just give us a download. That's what they say in, you know, super hyper-Pentecostal circle. Just give me a download. Just give me a download. Just, just fill me up. Just, just. But we're going to keep fishing, Jesus, because we're not sure you're going to take care of us. And we live our lives that way. We want God to move, but we're not going to move to see God move. In the Bible, in our lives today, I keep seeing people over and over and over hungry, looking, seeking, and acting when Jesus says, move. At the backside of Jer Jeremiah 29, 13, another one to unpack for you, but he's speaking to the whole nation of Israel. He's not speaking to you as an individual. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't use this to do that. What I'm saying is don't take it out of context. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Does that describe the way that you seek after God? Does that describe the way you come in here hungry for the Holy Spirit to move in your life? Does that describe what happens when you come into a small group 
This small group is going to help me get close to God. This small group is going to help me on and on and on. Do you have a heart that seeks God or do you throw him a passing fancy? If you're a baby, boomer, and older, that term makes all the sense in the world to you. If you're not, you're thinking, what's fancy? What's, what's fancy? And that's okay. <clears throat> we live in a world where if God doesn't show up immediately, we fall away. And yet, Joseph waited 40 years to see his dream unfold. Moses wandered in the desert for 40 years after having been raised for 40 years. Noah built an ark for almost a century, and the stories go on and on and on. Nobody was in a big hurry. They wanted God to do something. 12 years had to have felt like an eternity. As I sat in the conference and I was asking God to say something specifically to me, I heard Rich Mullins' voice singing in my heart. And he said, sometimes my life just don't make sense at all. When the mountain looks so big and my faith just seems so small. So hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaken like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? Hold me, Jesus, because what I'm going through doesn't make any sense. Hold me, Jesus, because I am trying so hard to be faithful, and yet I feel like I'm getting the short end of the stick. Hold me, Jesus, because somehow I think if I do everything right, then I'll get everything I want, and that's not true. Hold me, Jesus, because when it's dark, it's really dark, and I feel like I've sinned again, and you won't have anything to do with me. Hold me, Jesus, when it just feels like the crazy, my own crazy, is overwhelming me. And what I need is for you to be my Prince of Peace. I need this peace inside of me. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you find yourself in those moments and you're singing those words, that Jesus wants to wrap his arms around you, but you've got to let him. You've got to stop and sit still. The hardest part is to take your agenda out of your lap and put it on the floor and just simply say, I need to be with God because he wants to hold me. Like somebody that can't fix your problem but understands what you're going through. When it hurts so bad and all you want to do is cry, but you put on the bold face until one of your friends wraps their arms around you and says, I can't fix it, but I'm sorry you're going through this, and you fall apart. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. Hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. Twelve years she wanted to give up. Let me share this with you. <clears throat> this woman just gave us some things to do. This is not a method. This is not a formula. It's a pretty good idea. It's as close as I'm going to go with it. Draw close. That's what she did. Draw close. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's just James speaking to us. He's speaking to the church when he says that, by the way. Do you understand that? He's talking to Christian people when he wrote that. 
He says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. What does that mean? Choose to humble yourself, get involved in worship. Do you sing when they're up here worshiping? <clears throat> Are you worried about lifting up your hands, not lifting up your hands? When the scripture clearly says, I would that men everywhere lift up holy hands in prayer without disputing or anger. When God says, go ahead and do that. Relax a little bit and be in the presence of God because God inhabits the praises of his people. Do you pray with an ear to hear or do you just keep using words? When you pray, can you sit and be quiet and meditate and just say, Lord, I'm waiting. This woman drew close and she invites us to draw close and then touch Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fast, pray, give. Make the things of the kingdom important in your life. Have you ever fasted? Take some time off and fast. You say, well, you know, fasting is too much. It's too much. It's too much. Okay, do a fast. Do a daylight to daylight fast. Determine what time it starts getting light out. And from that time until the time the sun goes down, don't eat. You can eat after that. You can eat before that. But just determine that during the daylight hours, you're going to go without because you want to hear from God. Fast. Pray. Don't just bow down and say, uh, give me, give me, give me, give me. Okay, jump up. Stop and say, God, what do you have to say to me? Because I promise he wants to talk to you. Every time you get up, ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do today. Instead of telling God what you want him to do today. Every time you walk into Walmart, say, Lord, I got to pick up some milk. But what do you want me to do today in here? Get outside of your comfort zone and say, Lord, how about if you start using me? And you might find that as God uses you, he's leading you to the answer of the prayer that you're, you've been praying and crying and saying, why aren't you doing something about it, Lord? And the Lord's been, I've been trying to like get you to meet this person and you keep saying no to me. God is saying, do it. Touch Jesus. Jesus told us the Holy Spirit was being sent to comfort us, remind us, and teach us. But you've been called, according to Matthew 6, 6, to seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. Does that describe life for you? Does that describe your spending? Does that describe your conversations that you have in the coffee shop? You seek first the kingdom of God. And then hold on. And that is a word for you today. Hold on. Hold on. Don't let go. Hold on. When the wind blows, don't let go. When somebody sticks a knife in your back, as David said, I could, I could take it if it was an enemy, but it's a friend. It's you, my friend. You stuck this knife in my back. Listen to me. That's when you hold on. You don't have to persevere when nothing's going on. You've got to persevere when it gets hard. Hold on. Twelve years this woman held on to the belief that God was going to do something in her life. Twelve years. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, it says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the completion, uh, until the, the day uh, of Jesus Christ. God's going to do it. But he told the people in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, hold on. Don't give up. Be an overcomer. Keep going. Hear a word for you today. 
Don't give up. Step up. Hear me? Don't give up. Step up. What does it mean for you to step up in your relationship to Jesus? When you feel apathetic, the way in is the way on. It's not behind you. Get a hold of the hem of his garment and don't let go. And somewhere in there, when you said, yeah, I don't do that. Listen to me. That's exactly what you need to be doing because you can't keep doing what you've been doing and expect different results. Persevere and begin to do something different. Lose yourself in worship. Have you ever been in worship and all of a sudden you found yourself bawling and crying? That's the Holy Spirit. In this place, ball and cry. Ball and cry. We'll come pray for you. Ball and cry. Quit being proud. Quit being so proud that you're like, I'm fine. You're not fine. You're bleeding. And Jesus is saying, I want to let this power go. You can steal the power for him and he's good with it. He's good with it. But you might have to humble yourself. You might have to get close to Jesus. You might have to reach in and grab a hold. But when you grab a hold, don't let go. Don't let go. These people are up here. And the reason they're up here is because the Lord told us to put them up here. And the reason the Lord told us to put them up here is because you're bleeding. In your soul, in your heart, in your physical being, you are bleeding. In your emotions, you are bleeding. And we want to pray for you today. And we want to pray the kingdom of God, the love of God in Jesus Christ onto you today if you will let us do that I want you to come to your feet we're going to have a prayer and I'm going to step down we're going to go into our closing song and these people are waiting on you Father as we come before you we say come Holy Spirit Holy Spirit we know that you are God we know that you are here we ask your forgiveness for our lack of faith we know the love of Jesus came down and crashed into our world we believe we believe you want to do things in people's lives. We believe, God, against the sensation and the dramatization that this world has created and called religion. But we believe in you, God, to be real here, to bring healing. And you've called us to step out in faith. God, we're bleeding inside. Today, help us to hold on. Show us a 12-year hope. We release this on this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go into this song, you are welcome to come right on up here. These people want to pray for you.